It's car con carne. Let's eat in the car. It's car con carne. And here we are on the weekend. It is Car Cone Carne still happening at home. It's 12 o'clock on a Sunday. And I, I've spent my morning cleaning, as I sometimes do on the weekend. And as I clean, I'm always listening to music. I have I had the turntable going not that long ago. And that is a perfect segue to the fact that music is such a part of all of our lives, especially as we're all locked in at home, sequestered. And that comes to the question or leads me to the question, What's the best way to listen to music? Is it streaming, which a lot of us do, or is it vinyl or is it cassettes? Joining me today, I have Dan Jarvis from Midwest Action, also the fantastic Chicago band Diagonal, uh, and Andy Weber, who is one of the owners of Smashed Plastic, which presses records on the northwest side of Chicago. Love that facility, providing an important service to musicians near and far. Before I get into this discussion, I wanted to share something with you both this this conversation today this podcast we're recording right now stemmed from my last conversation with dan jarvis uh when his band diagonal was on carcon carne i'm going to just play something for you guys we got a we got a clip there's a clip because <laughs> i remember the, i remember the first go around with cassettes and they were always an inferior way to listen to music they they snapped they broke they didn't sound as good why yeah. is there a cassette renaissance Chicago's seen it pretty heavy. Um, yeah. So I, I started a cassette label a few years ago. Oh, shit. I'm sorry. Great idea. I'm sorry. <laughs> but so I, I can speak to it. I can speak to it. It's, it's you know. <laughs> okay. Uh, classic foot and mouth moment. Is that what I sound like? Do I really sound like that? It's it's over Zoom. <laughs> you, you still sound great. You still sound uh, articulate. And, but the, the point was, I was down in cassettes. We had the conversation. You've got Midwest action. You, you cassettes are to you to the point you made. They're an easy and effective way to get music out there. And as we started talking more, we started talking about vinyl and we talked about smash plastic. And then we arrived at the decision that maybe it was a good time to have a discussion about cassettes versus vinyl. And here we are, because Andy is a vinyl pressing entrepreneur in Chicago. You are a cassette producing entrepreneur. On your own, Dan. Uh, I suppose. So, uh, before we lead into it, let's let's talk about some backgrounds. Dan, talk about Midwest Action. Ah, uh, so Midwest Action. To give you the brief story, it started with my now fiance Alyssa Welch. She started it as a music blog back in like 2011 because she wanted to get into shows for free, write about bands, you know, the, that usual stuff. Uh -huh. um, we we met a year later. We started dating, and we we grew it into a little bit more of a fleshed out blog and then eventually do a record label. Uh, we actually put out a seven inch record before we did anything uh, with the record label. And that was a big reason I pivoted to cassettes was back then. This was like 2015. We put out a seven inch record and we did it in the Czech Republic. If, if I were to do it now, I would do it locally because we have a plant now, but it's, that's another story. But uh, it took six or seven months. It was very expensive. We sold, a fair amount of it, but I still have like 300 in my basement. So just as a cost effective measure, we thought like, well, Chicago's kind of into cassette tapes. What if we went that route? And I looked more into it and I learned a lot from the first three or four cassettes we put out and realized 
me dubbing them at home on my crappy old tape deck wasn't the best, but I found a friend that had a better setup than me. and was doing it professionally, Bill Tucker, my buddy. Um, but yeah, I just, it was a learning experience to figure out the whole tape market. But once I did, we were churning out three or four releases a month sometimes. And it became a, just a way quicker way we could work with more bands and get more music out there. And I'm, I, I'm not going to like fight that tapes sound better than records during this whole uh, round table or that it's the superior method or anything. But I, just, I, I think it, it deserves a, a spot on the table you know, the place in the conversation, but um, yeah, no, it became a really fun, quicker way and cheaper way that, cause we're just two people in an apartment running a record label. We're not some, you know, we're not drag city or, you know, Warner brothers, but uh, yeah, no, it became a cool way for us to get more local music out there. And that's what it's become. And we've got over 60 tape releases. So some of them are behind me here, but yeah. And then nowadays we're doing a little bit of everything tape, final cd even so we, we we like all formats around here well it's interesting cassettes saw a 103 percent increase in sales over the first half of 2020 103 percent uh this year could see cassette sales topping 100,000 for the first time in 17 years so there's 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 some win in your sales right now yeah a little bit now let's let's move over to vinyl records let's talk about smash plastic uh we've talked about this on the show before andy but uh Give some brief Smash Plastic history. Uh, yeah, well, we are now, we've officially been pressing for two years, which just is mind-boggling. Um, it, it still feels like we started yesterday. Our officially, officially will be open for two years uh, coming up on February 1st, but we started back in, well, what year was that now? 2018, um, October of 2018, actually pressing here in town. Yeah, we just, you know, it's interesting what Dan just said is why we're here. It is, you know, it became really hard. You know, he just profiled it there in the seven inch that he tried to put out. Um, it became really hard for a lot of people to, in this town, to be able to produce vinyl. So we wanted to give the independent scene a place to go. And we have, and they've come in droves and it's exciting. And it looks like 2021 will be expanding and having more capacity to be able to serve this market even more. So that's great news. That, that's huge news. Yeah. I mean, the idea that any business is growing right now, especially <laughs> yeah. a, lo a local music focused business mm -hmm. is awesome to hear. Yeah. Well, the good news is, as you just said, with the, the stats on cassettes, it's the fact that physical music is selling right now is fantastic for the music scene in general. Obviously, there's parts of the music scene, I live venues that are suffering right now. But the good the good end of this is I just had a friend tell me yesterday. He's like, yeah, I'm buying tons of vinyl right now because I'm not spending any money at bars. It is there is a, a, a one on one hand is washing the other hand on that right now. Um, I think most people would much rather be spending their money at a local club, but and buying records from the merch table at a local club. But. Sure. It is, um, it, it is one of the good byproducts, at least for us and for the music industry, that physical is selling. I, I do have the latest Impulsive Hearts record right behind me. I noticed that. Yeah. Yeah. Which... I noticed that, yeah. Midwest mm -hmm. Action Release pressed at Smash Plus. Yeah. That's in both collab... the worlds, yeah. That was a good collaborative thing to have kind of yeah. lingering yeah. in the background. Perfect. I, I, I mentioned a great record. I, yeah. I, I, I've been telling everyone I know to listen to it. I, Danielle is just 
phenomenal voice, songwriting talent. Uh, I mentioned cassette sales stats. Vinyl records, 26% of music sales last year were on vinyl. 14-year high for vinyl. Already wow. this year, vinyl has outsold CDs for the first time since 1986 with two months left to go. People, to your point, Andy, they're, they're buying physical music and they're, they're taking cash that they would have otherwise earmarked for a couple rounds at the bar and having something to hold. Let's mm -hmm. talk about having something to hold, the physicalness, because I, I may have told you this before. I, I've certainly said it on the podcast. I used to have a huge record collection going into the late 90s, a massive record collection. Then as I started collecting CDs, and records stopped getting made. And after you move with vinyl enough times, I thought, I'm done. I, I, I can't do this anymore. I, yeah. I'm not going to, nothing new is coming out. I've got all these CDs, the wave of the future. And I donated all my vinyl to charity. Mm. Fast forward to the 21st century. Streaming's great. You have access to everything. But there is something to be said, not just about, you know, seeing a J card on a cassette or liner notes in a record. It's just, the immersion in that piece of music for 25 minutes aside, I am locked into that artist. I'm not fast forwarding. I'm not skipping ahead. There's something to be said for the experiential part of music. And I'll let either of you kind of speak to that. Go ahead, Dan. Yeah. Um, one thing you got to say that vinyl and cassette lovers share is that physicality is, is people that, I mean, I have my tapes on one side, my records on the other side here. And yeah, people like us like to have something to look at in front of us. And and I mean, a big record cover is amazing. I grew up looking at my my mom's records and, you know, mesmerized by them. And it's the same with tapes. And we, we, we did some really interesting things with tapes. We were hand painting them and hand stamping them. And there's a hand, hand drawn element to it too. But yeah, I think the physical medium, even though it seems to be like a dying art now, but, aside from those stats you threw out, uh, I don't think it'll ever, streaming will never really top it. And if you're, like Andy was saying, if you're giving your dollars to the band by buying a physical tape, physical record from them, whether it's at the merch table or on the band camp free Friday when they're waiving fees, that's helping a local band way more than the fractions of a penny on Spotify. So yeah, I think whichever, whatever format you land on, it, the, it's it's going to help a band much more than putting on Spotify. So that's yeah, the, yeah. that's exactly what I was going to say too. Mm. I mean, it really comes down to support. If you're into independent music, the only way to really support them is by buying a record or merch. And we you realize, I mean, now with all the publicity that's been coming out from the CEO of Spotify, um, putting his foot in his mouth and yeah. realizing that, independent bands just independent bands independent labels really aren't making that much money off of spotify at all it's pennies on the dollar and it is i always say streaming and physical go hand in hand it's wonderful that nowadays you know you know think about it back in the day james we used to go into record stores and you kind of would go oh yeah this album art looks cool or you know you've never really heard the record now you can it's sample totally. the entire record mm -hmm. before you buy it and so they do go hand in hand but don't fool yourself if you're out there and you believe that you're streaming local independent music and it's going back into the pockets of the local independent bands. That's mm -hmm. the difference. Yeah, I'm not even sure I understand the math, but basically an artist gets paid a percentage of the overall share of people who do stream. And it, it is, it's it's fractions of pennies on the dollar mm -hmm. for yeah. an independent band. And I, I 
the Bandcamp Day is definitely a force for good. The next one's coming up on Friday. Mm-hmm. And I, I've always been a collector. I think I got this. My grandmother was a collector. She would go antiquing. She would have collections of things like shopping bags. She would have all kinds of crazy collections in her house. And I think I picked it up from her as a kid when I started collecting music. And there's something about the acquisition, something about the hunt, but having finding stuff that your friends don't have. And for me, yes, mm-hmm. finding local bands on vinyl has been really fun. Like being able to collect local music on record because it's special. You know, these aren't mass production pieces, maybe 500 pieces per run. Mm-hmm. There's something really unique and special. And the, the bonus of supporting bands, I think, is such a wonderful thing. But the collector in me, the music fan in me has completely fallen back in with physical media. It's not it's not this relic of the past to me. It, it's a way forward for a lot of us. Well, yeah. you, I, I think you hit the nail on the head with owning something. You know, I had a friend who, you know, what back in the day, it always meant something to say, I own that record. I have that record. Oh, I bought that record back in 1983 or whatever it might be. It meant something. And I, I was saying that one day to a friend who wasn't a collector. I said something like, oh, yeah, I have that record. And he's like, he picked up his phone and he's like, I have every record. And that pained me to no end. This is, this is before yeah. Smash Plastic or anything, but it really got me thinking. And do you really, have you really released a record if you ever, if you just stream it or have it, you know, digitally available or it, you don't really own, you haven't really produced anything unless you actually have produced something physical. So, and I feel the same way with ownership. Um, you know, what happens if Spotify goes away? You don't, you no longer own that record. So exactly. mm-hmm. I think that's another f- factor of physicality of owning that. Not only just the support is you as a collector, you have that now. I have, I have a lot of local musicians, actually independent musicians, period, who, who wa- either watch the video or listen to the show. As far as cost, and I, I'm not looking for direct quotes, but as far as cost to get something off the ground, how feasible is it for an independent artist to produce a run of cassettes? What's a typical run of cassettes and then what wh- how, how does that work for a seven inch or a 12 inch yeah i mean uh, a typical run of cassette i think maybe it's changed a little bit in the last year because even cassettes now like you said are becoming a little more popular and there's a little bit of that problem andy was talking about how it's almost a little some places it was hard to get tapes done for a little bit because there was all of a sudden these magnetic tape shortages which i don't know i won't go that far into that but um on average, we were putting out tapes for about unit cost is probably around three dollars, two fifty, three dollars a tape, and then you can sell that for five bucks. You could sell it for ten bucks. You could sell it seven dollars, wherever you want to land. But we, when we wanted to just move merchandise, we'd say, "Hey, three for ten dollars, five for twenty. We we do these big deals when we were doing tabling events at Pitchfork or Chirp Record Fair, and framing it in that way where we can say hey you can get five albums five albums on cassette for twenty dollars people started picking out more stuff you know people said like well that looks pretty cool like like andy was saying just on album art sometimes because if you're a casual fan of local music maybe you don't know who diagonal is or black glass or impulsive hearts yet but you see that album art and think that's pretty cool five bucks you know i'll check that out so the, the entry the entry fee for cassette is real feasible. And as a record label, we help front that cost to the band, you know, and we yeah. work together with the band on that. 
Um, I mean, it's it's for vinyl. It's definitely a little steeper, but I think having Smash. I might be a little biased because I work at Smash Plastic as well. But having a local plan like Smash Plastic that is working way more hands on with with bands, and you don't have to worry about shipping a record overseas. It's become a lot more practical for a local band to press vinyl. Just been great. And so, do artists pick up their vinyl from Smash Plastic, like oh, yeah. before it goes shipping? Which, if I were an artist pressing a record, I'd want to be there. I'd want to load up my own vehicle with my mm-hmm. own record. Like, there, there's something really satisfying, I'm sure, about just getting them hot off the press, so to speak, and loading them up and taking them home. It's like bringing a kid home from the hospital. Yeah, it's it's actually really satisfying for us too. I it's after you work really hard on getting this record to sound right, look right, and sleeve it and everything. It's it's really satisfying to put it right in the trunk of somebody who is buying this record, you know, who's, who's produced this record. So, um, yeah, I mean, and you know, speaking a little bit to what you guys were talking about earlier, um, you know, we we set our minimums pretty low compared to the industry when we got into this purposely to make sure more people were doing vinyl here in the city and obviously it's worked out pretty well so far but it it is it's about just getting more on that merch table you know and getting more vinyl on that merch table and giving not necessarily an alternative to tape because obviously the cost difference is quite different but if somebody was doing just cassettes or just digital or just cds because vinyl seemed to be this you know big scary expensive thing where you go off to the czech republic and you get it six months later Mm. you know we now allow people to especially pre-covid you know come in talk to us you know answer all your questions in person see the press running come back and watch it while watch your watch your record getting pressed and then yeah come back and pick it up and we'll place it right in your car so it hopefully put more merch out there. It put, hopefully it got more vinyl out there to the masses here in Chicago. Watching records get made. It's like the adult version of when I would go to the museum of science and industry or Lincoln park zoo as a kid mm-hmm. and I'd stand in front of the Moldorama and, and watch oh, like yeah. a, a monkey get pressed out of wax. This is the, the more mature music fan version of the Moldorama. Yeah. Watching yeah, I want one of those machines. Those I do yeah. Machines. That, that'd yeah. be, that'd be great. The plan we should try to get one. Be. Yeah. <laughs> It's classic Chicago stuff. Uh, so for some historical perspective, cassettes were developed in 1963. Mercury, the record label, brought them to the U.S. about a year later. And production largely discontinued in the early aughts. Is that ramping back up? Um, yeah, actually, you see a lot of these kind of mid-major labels have been getting back into the cassette market, like Polyvinyl and your uh, Joyful Noise. I mean, um, Merge, I think. So, like Some of those level of, of uh, artists, you know, are, are doing tapes again. And I think it's cool to just have have it available, have all formats, because a lot of times I want to grab the record, but maybe I don't have the 20 bucks or 25 bucks on me, but I have $8 to spend on the cassette version for right now. And I think why not have the option, especially if you're a label that's got a little bit of a deeper pocket and you can put together a CD, a record and a tape, you got something that's going to appeal to just about every listener out there. And you're, you're still going to get a digital download with it either, either way you exactly. get it too. So yeah, I think, um, I mean, it's, I'm sure, I'm sure we're not producing tapes as big as we were in the eighties at this point, but it's, it's definitely seen a resurgence, which I think is, is cool. It's cool to see these bigger labels and bigger artists putting out cassette versions these days. 
No doubt. Now, for perspective, Edison created the phonograph in 1877. Uh, the vinyl era, I guess the modern vinyl era, really started in the late 40s with 33 and a third records, 45 RPM on seven inch. And here we are today. Again, it's, it's amazing how it has swung back. And it means something different than it did in the 1980s, in the 1970s, in the 1990s. Vinyl, just the act of owning vinyl and listening to it is just different. It's such a much more deliberate thing for a music fan to do. And, and I, it's funny, as I talk to you guys, even ramping up to this interview, I'm like, shit, I need to get a boom box. Like, you yeah, know, I got, I, I got a couple I, around me here. But. I'm sure you do. Like, it's been a while, but I, it, it's weird. It, not weird. It's just I hate the fact that I walked away from physical forms of music for as long as I did as a music fan, as a collector. I, I'm kicking myself. And I, I love that you guys are doing what you're doing. Well, truth be told, I think a lot of people did. I did as well. You know, it, it was it, the era of, you know, downloads, Napster, all that. I mean, it was it was intriguing, right? I mean, you could now house everything on your phone, you know, or in your MP3 player. It was, you know, for anybody who ever DJed anywhere, it was like, wow, I can bring my whole collection with me. I'm glad that it swung back the other way. I'm really it. And it had to. And a lot of it comes down to the experience you've been talking about, James, of sitting down and listening to a record or listening to a tape. You actually have to take the time to sit there and listen to it and kind of decompress. And I feel like in this day and age where everybody's running around a million miles an hour and your connectivity is, you know, massive, it is nice to just kind of, you know, I, I'll leave my phone upstairs and come down into the basement and actually yeah. listen to a record because I need to just shut down from what's going on. That's it. Mm -hmm. That's it. Checking out for a while yeah, and, and doing the things you love without the distraction. I, I'm finding so many different ways to do just that duck out of social media, duck out of the internet and just listen to music, catch mm -hmm. up with, myself trying to dismiss the fact that the world is literally and metaphorically on fire all those things at the same time it helps. Um, it, yeah. all right so looking ahead uh for both midwest action and smash plastic let's start with smash plastic you said you're in an expansion period that's going to roll into next year which is awesome because business I, I love knowing that artists are keeping you busy and that there's a lot of music being made right now. Yeah, I mean, it. part of this was really the progression of the business to begin with. And some of it has to do with the situation we're in right now, I think, too. Um, but yeah, no, the expansion was we've always had eyes on it from the beginning. We didn't think we would be a one press shop for the rest of our lives. But um, now we're like, OK, where does this end? Is it two? Is it three? Is it four? Who knows? But. The big thing for us is, you know, as we get, we don't take major label business or anything like that that's going to eat up the machine. But as we're starting to get some bigger orders from some of these mid-major labels, I want to make sure that the local business can still have capacity at Smash Plastic. I don't want people waiting six months for the 250 right. records. Because the uh, locals will always be there for you. Right. And that's the lifeblood of our business. I right. know some pressing plants that have one client is 70% of their business. I mean, that's insane. You know, the other day we were sitting around talking and we couldn't even name our biggest client, you know, because there's probably like four or five that might qualify in that. And so the diversification of the business of having all these bands just 
coming to us independently really makes for a nice, healthy business. And hopefully that just continues to grow. And you're a great re- resource for the community. I, I love it. Uh, Dan, what's next for you? Uh, Midwest section in 2020 kind of took a break, but um, between 2019 and now we put out five records, five vinyl records, and they were all done to smash plastic. So as Andy said, like that we're, we're a prime example of that. Like we wanted a community based uh, local plant and we saw smash plastic and we ran for the Hills with it. And so because we put out four 12 inch records over the last like few months, we're kind of, chilling out on releasing for a little while and, but still selling on our Bandcamp page. And, uh, you know, so if Bandcamp Friday comes around, you're looking for stuff to buy, check out the Midwest action Bandcamp page. We got records, CDs, tapes, but now maybe next year, hopefully, um, there'll be some new stuff from diagonal and, uh, maybe some other for the Midwest action artists are still recording. Um, a lot of those artists have gone on to bigger labels too, and bigger local labels. So I, I'm always happy to see that mm-hmm. ba- bands we gave a start to by putting out a tape of God, I'm never offended when a band, a band goes to the the next higher step to a, a record label that can get them out there a little more, but sure. yeah, till then I'm going to probably spend the winter recording in the garage and making records with Andy, but I love yeah, it. And, and just to, just to, you know, tout what Dan's doing, Diagonal does have a new record coming out pretty soon. It's all done. It's ready to go, right? It's, yeah. Uh, it's in, in the can. right now, yeah. So hopefully we'll be pressing that soon. I am also a personal fan of the band, so I... You and me both. Thanks. Yeah. Yeah, yeah it's... Um, yeah, our, our Carl Saff, our local uh, lacquer cutting uh, masters, got it in his queue. So it'll be actually put to, put to wax soon enough. That's awesome. Yeah. Lacquer in the front, poker in the back. Is that how that goes? <laughs> sure. <laughs> All right, guys. Yeah. Thank you so much for doing this. Yeah. Thanks for having us on. Yeah. Thanks. It's been